Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Absolute sports betting degeneracy. Welcome to the zoo. With Sex Panther and Chubby Zebra. It's week number six in the zoo. Sex Panther here, ready to talk some college football. You know, before we get started, I want to tell you a little high school story, something I went through. You know, biology was not my strong suit. In my sophomore year of high school, I'm taking this biology test, and believe it or not, I studied, and I, you know, it's without filling the oval, you know, where they just stick in the computer, you know, just easy wasn't like fill in the blank, just A, B, C, or D, or whatever. And next day, the, the teacher comes back and hands me back. You know, there was only four possible answers and hands me back my score sheet. And I got a 22%. 22%. He looks at me. He's like, he didn't call me Panther. He called me my name. He's like, you know, just by just blindfolding you and randomly guessing, you can do better than that. that uh, that's kind of what we're dealing with, isn't it, Chubby Zebra? Indeed. Um, my, my, you know, I did improve on my week four, oh, and five by sporting a one and four last week. So my, my one and nine over the last two weeks is, is, you know, doesn't pay the bills. Hell, it gets you evicted. Um, so I brought the dart, dartboard up from downstairs and we're going to sit out here in the Florida room and we're, we're going to throw some darts tonight and we've got four games and, and depending on where the dart lands, that might be who we take. Yeah, you didn't tell me who you gave me the games. I have no clue who you're taking. And for the first time this season, it looks like you're going to try to take a stab at totals. I mean, what could go wrong if you're going to fire bets at totals, right? Absolutely. I mean, I'm a eight and 17 type picking sides. Um, my record will be much better with totals after just picking one. Yeah, so full disclosure, not you know, you're not the only one that's come in with their record, but I felt really good about last week. I was I was really disappointed to end up going three and two. I guess still on the plus side. I'm 14 and 13 on the season. Just this is a weird college football season, particularly when you factor in the spreads. I'm just having a tough time getting anything going. Uh, together, we went one and one last week. We're collective three and five on the season. I'd at least like to get that. To even but it's not going to happen this week you are and i are not on one single game so we're going to talk uh 10 games here we're going to get started i'm going to start uh since you're on like really on four games plus a total and i'm on six games so i'm going to go ahead and start and bring it out of the gate we're going to take a look at the ohio state buckeyes 
number three in the polls. Some people think they're actually the number one team. They're going to go to East Lansing and take on Spartyville. You know, ever since that Notre Dame game, I don't know if Notre Dame's defense gets any credit or, you know, the Buckeyes missing their top receiver in Nexon Smith or, you know, first game of the season. But ever since that game, Ohio State has been absolutely kicking ass. So they put up 45, 77, 52, and 49 in their last uh, four games. Not to mention their offensive output, but their defense has really stepped up too. I mean, they did, you know, hold Notre Dame to 10 points, but they gave up 21 to Wisconsin and Toledo. And 21, I mean, really, that's not that many in college football, but it's not going to get it done against an Ohio State team that's just, they're averaging 49 points per game. You go look at Michigan State, this season kind of got away from them really fast. They started the season ranked. Um, they had, you know, the best team, one of the best teams in the MAC. They beat Western Michigan and Akron. But then once they got into their Power Five schedule, you know, Washington clobbed them, Minnesota clobbed them. Then they lost to Maryland. Uh, this Spartans team is in an absolute free for all spiral. This isn't the kind of game I think that they get correct on. I got to lay 27 points, but I actually feel really good about it. I think the Buckeyes cover the 27. So uh, let's drop a unit on the Buckeyes. Oh, Chalky Panther is back, laying big points on the road. I can't disagree with you on this one. Ohio State is throttling people. They're good for 40-plus a game. The logic makes sense, but just laying four touchdowns on the road in a conference game, I mean, unless it's in Bloomington, I, I don't know how how you can do that. So I'm not going to touch it. Uh, I do believe Ohio State is probably at least the second best team in the country, if not number one. And I think they're out to prove it. They're they're out to show people that they, you know, do 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 deserve some consideration for that number one spot. Because when it's all said and done this year, the number one spot in the playoffs is going to be a huge advantage like it has been in the past but I think even more so this year because you've got the big three and then you've got everyone else and and you're looking you don't want to play in that two three game that first week so I think Ohio State's going to take the the old Urban Meyer approach and just try to kill people to get people to believe that they are number one they want that number one seed in the BCS playoffs and they got a pretty decent shot at it since you assume Alabama and Georgia are the, you know, two and three. They're going to battle. One of them is going to take a loss. So they just got to be in the, in the voters' minds, I guess, the, the committee's minds, better than one other team. Right now they're playing like it. Next game up. This is your game. We're going mid-major here. We're going to take a look at the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders going to the Alabama-Birmingham against the Blazers. Yeah, I'm not sure how UAB did, you know, didn't beat Rice last week. Uh, the Blazers outgained the Owls by over 150 yards and averaged 5.5 yards per play compared to 3.9 for Rice. UAB had seven drives inside the Owls' 40 compared to just four for Rice. The problem is UAB was only able to muster 24 points from those seven opportunities and in the game they committed 12 penalties for 116 yards so they really shot themselves in the foot middle tennessee they, they have been overachieving there's no doubt and they're you know their team coming in with a lot of recent success and it just might be what the doctor ordered for uab to wake up and clean up you know the missteps that they had of late the blazers they're one of the most rush heavy offenses that's not a service academy 
65.8% of their plays are runs, and they average 5.1 yards per carry. Dwayne McBride is one of the best group of five running backs you'll see, and he does not go down easy. Through three games, he has over 500 yards rushing, and he's averaging five yards after contact. I mean, the guy just doesn't go down. He also has 15 carries for over 10 yards, which is quite impressive. Middle Tennessee State, they're decent against the run, but McBride's physical play could be a big issue for the Blue Raiders. While good versus the run, Middle Tennessee State does struggle against the pass. And if Dylan Hopkins can throw for nine yards per attempt like he did versus Rice, UAB's not going to have a problem moving the ball at all. UAB's defense is good and will bounce back after a lackluster performance last week against Rice. I'm laying the nine and a half and taking UAB. This is a this is a ballsy play. I'm I'm looking at this. You know, UAB's issue has been on the road. When you look at their two losses at Liberty, at Rice, but dominant at home. Middle Tennessee, they got that huge win a couple weeks ago against the Hurricanes down in Miami. And then they came home, you know, I'm not going to blast them for losing to UT San Antonio because um, that, that's a good team. The Roadrunners are a good team. We bet them half a season, I think. But, look, UAB probably does win. I just think I like that nine and a half. Um, so I, I'm not on this game, but I'm I'm going to lean Middle Tennessee just because nine and a half, ten points just feels like too many. All right, next game up. I am going junk first right into a trap. I didn't know it was a trap. I wrote these games down a couple days ago, but I started putting everything together for tonight's podcast, and holy crap, Kentucky is hosting South Carolina. When I wrote this thing down a couple days ago, Kentucky was a 10.5-point favorite. Now they're only 6.5. I can't find out why. Uh, Levis isn't injured. Rattler's not injured. I... I I don't know what's going on. I didn't. I didn't check to see if uh, the money is just hammering uh, South Carolina here, but I, I don't get it. South Carolina got spanked by Arkansas, got obliterated by Georgia. Their only wins are three and two, but all of their wins are against non-power five schools: South Carolina State, Georgia State. Like I, that doesn't move the needle. And Kentucky, even they were good last year. Uh, they probably, I mean, they could have won that game against Ole Miss. They could be staring down the barrel of a 5-0 record, but even losing to Ole Miss on the road, it was only a field goal game. I Maybe this is a, I'll call it a gift. Like the Wildcats don't know it's a trap, but holy crap, the, the four-point movement is a huge, that's a 40% move in, in just a couple days. I'm scared, but I'm sticking to my guns. I'm going to lay the six and a half and jump on these Wildcats. Well, you're getting a good, you're getting a good number. I mean, if you're on Kentucky, you're, you know, you don't want to lay the 10 that it was. You're getting, you're getting the best number. So it's a quote, sharp play on Kentucky. Now I've heard differing stories about quarterback Will Levitz. Um, He did injure a finger last week. It was on his left hand and he stayed in the game and Stoops uh, said that, you know, he's quote, is fine for this week, but I've heard some differing stories. It's you. Know, it's one of those situations where you wonder if there's some professional sharp money uh, going on on South Carolina because they know something that's not being released by Kentucky. I wouldn't touch this one, but if you are a Kentucky backer and you like it, 
by all means, get the number you know under under the seven. So um, it's a sharp play. You're getting a sharp number. Let's just hope it's the right side. Uh, even if Levis does sit out or they go maybe run heavy with their offense, which they're not a good running team, I I could even make an argument just to fade South Carolina. Like it's, this isn't a good team by any stretch. All right, next game up. This will be fun. Tennessee at LSU. You know, the first thing I have to say about this is I want to know who the hell is calling the shots at CBS. You know, SEC has the 330 time slot on CBS, which is going to go away. That's eventually going to go to the Big Ten. But CBS is putting Auburn and Georgia on the 330 time slot. That's a 30-point spread for the Bulldogs. And this game's going to be a noon ESPN kick. Why? It makes no sense. It makes so whoever's calling the shots at CBS is he, you know, they they need to be evaluated in their next performance review. This needs to be brought up. All right, enough about that. Tennessee, they they had a week off following their big emotional 38-33 win over Florida, which I got backdoored having Tennessee in that one. But we won't go there. Uh, now the volunteers in Josh Heifel's number eight team, they go into Death Valley to face Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers. LSU LSU after their season opening loss to Florida State, they're beginning to look like they may be a competitor in the SEC. And this game could be a huge boost to their confidence. Quarterback Jaden Daniels left Arizona State and is the leading rusher, 320 yards and three touchdowns while completing 68% of his throws for another 915 and six touchdowns with no interceptions. The man's hand, you know, hanging onto the ball and not, not giving it up. Tennessee, they rank 128th out of 131 FBS teams in pass defense, allowing 309 yards per game. Daniel's health could be a little bit of an issue. He has left the last two games early, but all reports are saying he's he's healthy and ready to play. LSU, they they started off the, their slow, trailing Mississippi State 13 to nothing and trailing Auburn 17 to nothing before coming back and winning both of those games. They cannot afford to do that versus a very good Tennessee offense. Had this game been a week after the emotional win versus Florida, I'd fade Tennessee without thought. But they've had a week off, and that week off should get that as a distant memory. I think it's really going to help. I think the better team wins this one. I'm taking a road favorite, taking Tennessee minus the three. Yeah, I I can't argue with you here. I think one of my issues with LSU – or question marks, if you will, is that they haven't really been tested. You look at their four wins since Florida State. Mississippi State is the closest that they've had to competition. Auburn's not a very good team. Uh, that was their only true road game. Everything else has been a, a home game or a neutral site game with Florida State. Tennessee, you know, they went, they they took on the Gators and bested them. They took on a, a really good Pittsburgh team on the road, beat them in overtime. I feel like Tennessee has been battle tested. Uh, according to the numbers, you would think both these teams play defense. Tennessee's given up 19 points per game. LSU just under 15 points per game. And yet Vegas has this total of 65. So Vegas is expecting a little bit more of an offensive shootout. I I think if this is a shootout, Tennessee's going to win this by double digits. Um, I think for me, I looked at this game, the three points, like I think Tennessee is – way better than three points. The three points really kind of scared me off. So I agree with you. I'm leaning Tennessee, but 
man, it just, it, I'm not calling it a trap. I'm just calling it, it, it stinks that it's only three points. All right, next game up for me. I'm going to give this Western Kentucky Hilltoppers another run. They're playing UTSA Roadrunner, that San Antonio team. They are a thorn in everybody's butt. What I tell you, this could be a bowl game, and I would watch it. These are these are two really good quality mid-major programs. They put up huge numbers. Uh, both offenses getting over 500 yards production. They can both pass well. They both run really well. Um, the, the defenses are okay. Roadrunners are give up a lot more yards and a ton more points the roadrunners have given up 34 points per game and i think that is my issue here western kentucky is a team that can score i think i've even thrown in the word offensive juggernaut when talking about them they have that overtime loss at iu uh they have lost by a touchdown to try i mean they're they're 10 points away from being undefeated and now they're gonna go on the road to san antonio and they're six and a half point dogs I don't see it. I really don't see it. I mean, maybe San Antonio wins here, but this is a coin flip game. And you give me a coin flip and I'm getting nearly a touchdown. I'm taking that touchdown. So give me Western Kentucky plus six and a half. I'm going to put my one unit on it. There you go again, getting a sharp number. This thing opened at four and a half and has been bet up to, to the six and a half. Obviously in a situation like this, if you can, you know, by a point by the half and get it to seven it you know it's probably worth the extra juice that you're going to put put down on it therefore you get the push rather than the loss on a seven point game um this is a good game this is a this would be a fun game to watch two schools that you know you've heard of but you don't necessarily know much about but these are two decent football teams both undefeated right now in the conference usa uh this game could go a long way to deciding one of the representatives one one of the teams that represent the conference in the conference tournament championship game. For sure. And, and to tell you how fun this is, they, Vegas has set the total of 73. So uh, I think the punters might be able to take the day off. All right. Well, it's that time. we got to see what Max is going to put in for a commercial break. So we're going to pause here and, and uh, let Max throw in a commercial for you. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, and we are back. Next game up, we're going to take a look at the Louisville Cardinal Cardinals. I guess they're not Stanford. Got an S on the end of there. Going to Virginia, take on the Cavaliers. Now, this is one of the game, uh, one of the teams that you were on early in the season. You kind of were a believer in Louisville, and I didn't know what to make of them. I, I really still don't know what to make of them. They're on a, a series here now where they've lost, they've won, they've lost, they've won. They lost a heartbreaker to Boston College. Now they're going to take on a Virginia team that it's, it says two and three, but you look at their you look at the breakdown here. And this is not a very good team. They beat Richmond. That's a basketball school. They beat Old Dominion. That's not even a Division One school. 
and they've lost to Illinois, Syracuse, and Duke. Those aren't exactly power five juggernauts. Louisville, you know, I think they get better talent. I think they got better coaching. Um, the, the three points is kind of suspiciously low to me, but I'm looking, you know, Armstrong for Virginia, the quarterback, he's got more interceptions than he does touchdowns. Virginia is only averaging 18 points a game. They're really offensively challenged. Uh, the three points kind of throws me for a loop, but I'm just going to call it a gift. I love Louisville here, giving up the field goal. So let's put a unit on the Cardinals. You have some sort of uh, sharp line predictor that, that you look at on a weekly basis. Because here you go again, a game that opened at five, Louisville five, down to three. You're getting the best number on the team that you like. Um, you know, th- those are sharp plays. Let's see if they work out for you. I need something to work out for me. This is, College football has been tough this year. Speaking of tough. You picked a tough game. You want to have a look at Utah at UCLA. Yeah, we're going back to the Coliseum. Uh, we went there last week and didn't turn out well. Uh, UCLA's 40-32 to 32 win over Washington. I think we were both on Washington. Um, Chip Kelly's bunch, they're 5-0 and overall and 2-0 and in the Pac-12 for the first time since 2013. And they've now won eight straight games back dating back to last season. Fifth-year quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He's playing the best football of his career. He's thrown for 1,981 yards and 18 touchdowns against only four picks in those in that eight-game winning streak. He also has 64 carries for 463 yards and six touchdowns and is currently fourth in the country in completion percentage. But Utah, they've beaten UCLA five straight by an average of 27 points. Since the season-opening loss, uh, late happened late in the game to Florida in the humidity of the swamp. The Utes have improved weekly. They played their most complete game of the season last year or last week in a 42 to 16 drubbing of Oregon State. UCLA, they're going to be out to prove last week wasn't a fluke, but it was their first true test of the season. But I think Utah's superior defense is going to be what decides this game. Be safe and, and buy down the half if possible. But for this, for the purposes of this podcast, I'm taking another road favorite and taking Utah minus a bad number, three and a half. Yeah, you listen, you you touched on it. I'm looking at these offenses. Both offenses can score, but man, ever since that Florida game, which you know, Florida that was a, that's a tough game. Week one, you have no nothing under your belt. You're going on the road in the swamp. That's a tough game. But since that game, their defense has been incredible you know they've given up seven seven 13 and 16 um i mean there's teams that that can't score that in a game and they've done it four games holding combined uh, under 40 points there ucla shocked me last week i i was almost starting to think chip kelly might get run out of los angeles the the way his tenure has gone there but that win against washington kind of opened my eyes to maybe they're for real this is a bigger test. The Defidney Pac-10 champions, Pac-12, whatever, however many's in that conference now. Um, I don't. I, I hate that hook. I really hate that hook. But I'm with you. Moral support. I I like the Utes here as well. All right, next game up. This is a late addition. I added this tonight. It wasn't on my list before. We're gonna take a look at the North Carolina Tar Heels. 
going to Miami, take on the Hurricanes. This is another one that that, that kind of stinks. I, I don't Miami. All right, so they started the season three and zero, and then they've they've actually gotten walloped their last two games. The last one, granted, two weeks ago, so they've had some time to prepare for this game. But to Middle Tennessee State, quality mid major, but you're the freaking Miami Hurricanes. You don't lose those games, let alone at home by 14 points. Now you're going to bring in the North Carolina Tar Heels, who are, I mean, their defense is god-awful, absolutely awful, giving up almost 34 points per game. But that offense, that offense, I don't even know if they punt. They're they're just, they score at will. Uh, Derek May is probably going to be one of the top quarterbacks taken in the draft. 19 touchdowns already in five games to only one interception. They love to throw it. And even when they're not throwing, they're getting close to 190 yards on the ground. This line, you're going to have to explain this to me, Zebra, because why Miami is favored by three and a half really has me scratching my head. It's one. It's another one of those games that I'm like, what's going on? It smells, it stinks, but I'm taking the Tar Heels plus the three and a half. I actually think they win this game outright. I, I can't argue with you. And again, I, I I'm with. I, I don't know why that would be the case. I mean, Miami stunk so bad two weeks ago against Middle Tennessee State that, uh, you know, the quarterback Tyler Van or yeah Tyler Van Dyke he was benched, and the people are talking about this guy potentially being a first round pick in the NFL draft, and he gets benched against Middle Tennessee State, and you lose. Makes no sense whatsoever. These college games are almost teams are almost becoming NFL teams where you, you know, you're terrible one week and then the next week you bounce back and you look like, you know, you're a Super Bowl contender. That happens religiously in the NFL. Maybe it's starting to happen in college. These guys out in the desert, when they set these lines, they're a lot sharper than you and I and everyone, you know, listening to this that, that you know, wagers uh, for some fun or a couple shekels. I don't get this. Usually when I don't get it and I think it's too good to be true and I think that, you know, get on it, it's, it's take the other side. But I can't argue with this one. I, I would lean North Carolina as well, especially getting a hook on that field goal. So uh, I, I like your play, but I'm not going to jump on it. Sharp Panthers on it again. Last game up for you. All right. You're going to tease us with a little double dip here. The Horn Frogs going to Lawrence for game day. Game day is in Lawrence, Kansas. You know, you know, game day in Lawrence, Kansas usually happens in January right. when, when say, you know, Texas is coming to Fog Allen Fieldhouse. It doesn't happen in October. What is going on? The, the world is spinning in the wrong direction or something. But last week after allowing or after Kansas, their first four games, they allowed 109 combined points to Tennessee Tech, West Virginia, Houston and Duke. Not offensive juggernauts. But that Kansas won all four of those games because they do have a good offense. Last week, though, they held Iowa State to just 313 yards and only one touchdown in their 14-11 win. Can the KU defense put up a second straight solid defensive effort against an extremely high-powered TCU offense? Horn Frog quarterback Max Duggan put up a staggering 668 yards of total offense last week versus, I'll quote-unquote, defensive guru Brent Venables Oklahoma squad in a 55-24 route. TCU gained 479 yards in the first half while building a 41-17 lead 
at the intermission. Normally, you know, when Venables was at Clemson, they, you know, they love showing him on TV with his get back coach, trying to keep him off the field. I think last week he had a get back coach that had to pull him out of the locker room at halftime and get him back onto the field. TCU, they've averaged 48 and a half points per game while allowing only 22. KU, they've also got a pretty good quarterback, Jalen Daniels, who's seventh in the nation with 177.5 efficiency rating. Dugan is the number one quarterback in that statistic, by the way. And Daniels leads KU in rushing with over 300 yards and five touchdowns. Both teams so far this year, they're perfect in covering the spread. KU 5-0, TCU 4-0. So something's going to give this week. KU being 79th in FBS in total defense might be the difference in this one. As you mentioned, game day is in town, and the crowd should be well lubricated by game time. And they're actually going to have a crowd in Lawrence, Kansas for a change. I am going to double up on this one. I'm jumping on another road favorite. I'm taking TCU, laying the seven, and saying this game goes well over the 69 and a half points. Get you six and a half at Caesars. I love six and a half at Caesars. Let's run down the street and get it. There we go. You know, I am having such a hard time coming to grips with the fact that Kansas might actually have a good football team. This this is a, a team, a, a school, a franchise, an institution that the, the total every year I think was like two and a half. Even this year, I think they've already surpassed their total. I know it wasn't this high, probably like three and a half, four and a half. They're already at five and oh. Last week, not only when their offense couldn't get things done, but their defense stepped up and held the Cyclones to only 11 points. That kind of opened my eyes that maybe, just maybe, they've got a little something on the defensive side to go with that offense, and they're going to have to have it because, like you mentioned, this Horn Frog team, I I didn't know this they were going to be this good. I, I didn't see this last year, but coming out of the gates, man, they, they've been incredible. What they did to Boomer Sooner last week, um, that was one of those games that we were both on and, and lost. Um, eyes are open with the Horn Frogs. So a, a, de- a decisive win by either one of these teams would really vault them into the rankings higher than where they are. CCU 17, Kansas 19. But I have a hard time disagreeing with you here. The TCU has gotten – better players over the last several years. I think at the, some point the cream rises to the crop or rises to the top. Um, and TCU's has been there. And th- this is a big stage with game day there, uh, all the cameras, all the fans. Like I, I can see where Kansas might get spooked in this game a little bit. So I'm not on it, um, but I, I, I agree with you. TCU minus the six and a half. I'm seeing a total of 69, so Vegas thinks there's going to be some scoring here. Yeah, I, to go back to your point of Kansas becoming a football school, I don't think anybody has to worry about that. If you remember, I'm just going off of memory here. It's probably 10, 12 years ago. Uh, Kansas was really good. They were in the Orange Bowl one year. They had what everybody thought was a really good program going, and it was you know short-lived. And this one's going to be short-lived too because – Lance Leopold, you saw what he did with Buffalo. We didn't even know Buffalo had a football team. He's there for five or six years, turns them into a perennial power in the MAC. He goes to Kansas in his, what, second year now. 
uh, has Kansas, you know, having game day host. This dude ain't going to be there long. The money's coming. He's 58 years old. He's going to take, you know, he's going to be in his free agent year here really soon. He's not in the prime of his career, uh, but he's going to get the money's going to come. This guy's going to bolt Lawrence, Kansas for the money of somewhere in the SEC or or a big program in the Pac-12 is going to fork out some money. This guy ain't going to be there long, and Kansas is going to be back to the perennial doormat that we're used to seeing. But, hey, you know what, Lawrence? Enjoy it while you got him because he ain't there long. You know, I think with some of the changes we're seeing in college football, there's a chance that some of these mid-major schools and and the lower-tier Power 5 schools might be able to keep their coaches now because the Big 12, for example, Oklahoma and Texas are leaving, and now they're opening up this path where now we're going to have eight teams in the playoffs. Um, Winning winning the Big 12 is going to be the equivalent of winning the MAC. Maybe, maybe a little bit better than that. I, like if you get something going, you bring in recruits, you start to get things going, kind of like um, how how uh, Fickle is doing at Cincinnati, there's no reason to leave. I'll buy that if you're 40 years old, you got young kids, and you love the community. But this guy's 58. He's, he has put in his time. He's going to chase the first big payday that you can find. I mean, keep in mind, Texas A&M gave Jimbo Fisher – what, $10 million, $11 million a year, something silly. Yeah, the money's going to come calling. This dude's going to take it. Uh, you know, unless he just absolutely loves living in Lawrence, Kansas, which it is a nice college community. Don't get me wrong. I used to live about 20 miles from there. It's nice, but I think this dude's going to find somewhere that he likes even more. He's going to find the money and give him, I'll give him maybe one more season in Lawrence before the, the, the big money schools come a calling. All right. One more game and then it'll be time to get out of here. Notre Dame back on the schedule after an off week, they're going to take on the BYU Cougars. It's technically listed as a home game. Notre Dame's the home team, but it is a neutral site game. Both teams are going to go out, travel out to the desert, Go to Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Two religious schools in Las Vegas. I just kind of, kind of really can't really wrap my head around that. But that's what they're doing. Uh, Notre Dame, fresh off that butt kicking of North Carolina, finally generating some offense. Something that we hadn't seen the first three games of the season. Going against a BYU team that's been pretty good on the offensive side themselves. Other than that real bad trip up at Oregon uh, about a. Well, not quite a month ago. Uh, they, they've been right there averaging just under 35 points per game. This, this is a tough one for me. I, I thought Notre Dame got better because of, of the, the injury to Tyler Buckner. So Drew Pine took over, and we, we saw what he was capable of against North Carolina. Now, granted, North Carolina is not exactly known for their defense at all. But that said, the play calling – um, from offensive coordinator Tommy Reese was much more aggressive. They they threw the ball down the field. The offensive line was impressive. You know, Drew Pine had time to throw. The running backs, I mean, they had gaping holes. They could run all day against that Tar Heel defense. And I'm I'm kind of excited and nervous to see how they do against BYU here. It's it, it's really tough on this game because I don't know 
what Notre Dame I'm going to see. If I'm going to see the one that we saw against North Carolina, or if I'm going to see that offensive shit show that we saw for the first three weeks against Ohio State, Marshall, and Cal. I'm banking on, hey, we're building off this North Carolina game. That worked. Let's keep doing that. Um, BYU, I mean, the record looks good. Their stats look good. They had that big double overtime win against Baylor. That's impressive. They're battle-tested. Um, but at the end of the day, I think Notre Dame has the better players, the better recruits, and they're kind of finding their way through this, you know, navigating this new coach, new quarterback, new offense, everything that they're doing, and they're kind of starting to find their rhythm. I'm on the wrong side of a sharp play here because I'm going to eat that hook, but I'm going to lay the three and a half and take my mighty Irish. I can't argue with on that one. Um, I thought BYU after that Baylor win was going to be a team that that could make a a statement and try to march to a, an undefeated season, but that, that's obviously not going to happen. Uh, this one is going to be a key game for them. You mentioned the religious schools in Vegas. I don't get it. I mean, yeah, okay, Notre Dame, we'll call it a Catholic school, but their players and fans are about as Catholic as, as I, I, I don't even know what analogy to put on it, but they're, they're it's Catholic by, by name and institution only. Now, BYU, that's a whole different story. But I don't know what it is. I mean, I've seen BYU play in some bowl games or conference championship games in Vegas. The the Mormon people pack that place. And I know that religion doesn't gamble. I know they, they are against gambling. But why they flock to Vegas, I guess there's more to do in Vegas than just gamble. Um, I haven't found it, but I know that there is. Uh, I, I don't get it. But I think this going to be very interesting to see how this crowd is, if it's going to be a pro- BYU or pro Notre Dame crowd uh, that could have a big impact on the game when it's all said and done. Cause both fan bases uh, do get uh, pretty into their squad. So that, that could be uh, a big factor in this one to see whose fan base uh, has gobbled up the tickets. But I think Notre Dame's a better team. I, I do think they win this game. They have found their, their way. Um, you know, obviously I've been the anti Notre Dame guy, but, and I was hoping to see them struggle, but I don't think that's going to be the case. They've, they've got, they've righted the ship. Uh, this team's going to probably win every game until they get to Clemson. That'll be a tough one. And then USC. So they got two more that I think they might lose on their schedule, but I'm not even counting those, those guaranteed losses. I'd take Notre Dame. I wouldn't be afraid of that hook. I'd, I'd lay the three and a half and, you know, I'd probably take it all the way up to five and a half if it got there. You know, the interesting thing about this, I'm going out to Vegas to, to play this game. They go back home, and guess who comes to town? UNLV. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get the scheduling at all. Well, you know, maybe UNLV can leave a couple people back uh, from their game this week and, and, you know, do some advanced scouting in person. Hey, you know what? We got we got to circle back to your game, your, your TCU-Kansas game. That was a double dip for you. The total was 69. Yeah, I had 69 and a half down, but obviously if you're seeing 69, I'd, I'd take that because I'm going over the total and I really love the six and a half instead of the seven you got. So we're going to we're going to play those at six and a half and 69 uh, for terms of our records on, on this podcast. But um, I, I see that as an offensive, I mean, a shootout and it's just TCU's off. I just don't think TCU's offense can be stopped that they are looking really, really good. Yeah, and Gary Patterson, usually, you know, when they came into the Big 12, he's known for his defense, but he's really uh, picked up Big 12 football and not paying as much defense and really playing offense. Well, he's, out, he's out now. They got they got Sonny Dykes. 
yeah, uh, running, there. running the show there. So I think he's, t- I think Patterson, you know, he's known as a defensive guy. I think he kind of lost touch a little bit with the offense. I don't know if his coordinators weren't that good at all, but whatever he left there, the, the, the players that he left, he obviously had some talent and Dykes has done a number with it. And, and that performance last week against Oklahoma, if they can come anywhere close to that, they're going to be a factor in the big 12 and, and, and they, they could run the table and, and try to make a statement to be, you know, to crash the party as the four seed this year. All right. And circling back at this Notre Dame game real quick, I want to get your, your thought here. The total in this game is 51. I suspiciously low. I, I, I think it's probably right at spot, spot on. I mean, I, I would, I, I 27 and 24. I think Notre Dame's defense is is starting to – I think that's going to be the strength of their their team. I think it's starting to gel. They're starting to figure it out. Obviously, Freeman's a defensive coach from the past. I I think if I were going to do anything on that total, I'd probably go under, believe it or not. I, I think this game's going to be lower scoring than, than most people think. I could definitely see both teams in the 20, if not one of them, winding up in the teens. All right. Well, that's it for me. Time to get out of here. Uh, any final thoughts? One final thought, as you know, but I'll let anybody that listens to this. Um, the, the zebra uh, added a, uh, a grand zebra to the family yesterday. Uh, first one. I know you've, there's a few grand panthers, but uh, the first one for for the zebra. And, you know, yesterday he came into the world at 3.32 a.m. It was a very long night. And the first time I got to see him and, and, and hold him, it was quite quite emotional. Um, you know, he's never going to remember this day. But, but we started talking some football philosophy and how we're in need of officials. And, you know, but as soon as he can get out there and start doing some youth games, I'm going to try to coerce him into, into doing it. So the zebra's got a, got that little grand zebra that, that he's going to try to have walk in his footsteps and, and get him into the profession a little earlier than I did. So maybe, you know, maybe he can make a living at it someday. Well, there you go. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I, I was super excited for you. We go back. I don't even realize this, but we, we've actually been friends now for almost 20 years. Uh, I, I moved here to, to Fort Wayne a little over 20 years ago, and uh, I've watched your kids grow up, uh, beautiful family. They all went to college, graduated, beautiful daughter. So I I, I was super, you know, I, I actually felt, I, I was going to ask you, because um, I think you told me 3.30 in the morning, uh, Grand Zebra was born, and about 4.30 in the morning, I was getting the text. So I'm thinking, I'm hoping I was one of the, the first people. That meant a lot that... Uh, that you shot me that text. Yeah, the the, the time stance on those texts with the, and stuff probably kind of lets people kind of know where they they stand on on the the zebra totem pole. Yeah, I I, I won't call anybody out and or, or start comparing timestamps. So. All right, let's get out of here. Let's slap together a parlay for these degenerates. You're going one and four about every week. So how about the one you give them is the one you're going to win. The one that I'm going to win this week in in my one and four is the Kansas TCU over the total. That thing's going to be – somebody's getting in the 40s, if not into the 50s. And uh, I, I think that thing, by late third quarter, you could see 70 on the board there. Uh, I, I I really am feeling pretty confident on my Notre Dame. I'm going to jump on Notre Dame. Uh, we got to find a third game out there. Is it any one of my games or any more one of your games that really – 
really stood out to you? I, I could get behind your Tennessee play if you're feeling really good about that one. Well, I, obviously at eight and seventeen, I don't feel good about anything. <laughs> uh, so I, I would, I would, you know, I would just stay with my total. Let's, you know, I'm I'm zero and zero on totals, so we got nothing, no negativity about that. Let's find one of yours. And, and throw it on there and actually win one of these parlays for a change. So if anything that I liked uh, the most um, of your plays, and again, it seems awfully, awfully square. It seems awfully chalky. I got a whole bunch of road favorites, uh, but I, I don't think the Louisville, again, you got a, you got a road favorite there. I think that's a solid play because I don't think Virginia's very good. Let's put it in there then. We're going to go with the KUTCU over. Notre Dame minus three and a half and the Louisville Cardinals minus three. That's going to be your zoo parlay. We're going to get out of here and um, just tell you guys that we're hanging out on Facebook. Well, I am zebras. Zebra's not really tapped into the, the whole absolute sports betting degeneracy stuff. He does, he does this and then disappears, but uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. And mostly it is the book club. You guys have, you're already in there and you can chew the shit with us, but give us a shout out by name. We'll holler right back. But most importantly, let us know what you did last week, what you're doing this week, and when it's all said and done, kids, it's all make some money, fools. Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will the owners, operators, or guests of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Grainger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Grainger. For the ones who get it done.